my calculations are correct. When this baby hits 88 miles per hour, you're going to see some serious shit. Do you really think you have a chance against us, Mr. Cowboy? Yippee-ki-yay, motherfucker. It's showtime. Right, welcome everybody to another episode of the VHS Strikes Back. I am one of your hosts, Chris Phelps, and my co-host and very good friend is Mr. Dave Oryx. Hey there, Chris, and hello to our listeners out there. Welcome to the VHS Strikes Back, the show where we dust off the old video player and go on a nostalgic journey to look at the good and the bad movies of yesteryear. Now, Chris, what are we going to review this week? Well, Dave, this is a Patreon pick by our good friend, Timothy, who's one of our newer Patreons, so thank you for this, Timothy. We're going back to 1981. It's a movie that me and you had never seen up until this point, and it stars Sylvester Stallone, Billy D. Williams, and the debut of Rutger Hauer, and it's called Nighthawks. So I have alluded to that already, Dave. Were you aware of this movie? The only reason I was aware of this movie was because I think um, our friend Scott over on the 20th Century Geek had covered it with Max, uh, our other friend, and uh, they're doing a whole Stallone retrospective. And I was like, Nighthawks? What the fuck is that? And I think I did the same mistake initially, mentally, as you. I just went to Terrorhawks. Yes, yes. Saturday morning puppet show. Um, So, yeah, I I don't know if I've ever seen this. However, you know, if I look back at the the kind of time in between Stallone doing, you know, the first Rocky and then First Blood, you know, he did quite a few movies. And I was looking like Fist. I know I've watched Fist. But I don't remember hardly anything about it at all. And I think we we were such, as a family, we were such Stallone fans because of Rocky. And, and uh, I'd said before, hadn't I, like, uh, you know, a couple of my uncles were boxers and stuff, you know, just at an amateur level. So, you know, they were just massive fans. And so everything that Stallone would have done, we'd have watched. And so I, I just, I think I've probably seen it, but just it. it I have no memory of it whatsoever. So I was really excited to, you know, actually watch it and see, well, what, what is all this about? But, I mean, what, what about yourself? Honestly, exactly. You, I thought, oh, no, we're watching some fucking Fraggle Rock fucking animated <laughs> shit here now. What the fuck is this? So when I researched it, I was like, and I, like you, you know I love Rocky. It's, it's absolutely one of my favourite series, Dave, of all time, the Rocky films. Love Stallone. I, I thought I'd watched everything that he'd been in pretty much, you know, and this knew nothing about it. I, I was like, oh, that doesn't make any sense. What, what's that? So when I read it, I was like, oh, right, oh, this, this sounds more up my street. Is it, is it going to be something I enjoy? Or is it one of the ones where you're like, okay, I maybe shouldn't have watched it. But <laughs> what a pick, Dave. And, and what an interesting movie. Set in New York. You know, I love New York. I was like, yeah, let's do it. And it's got Lando in it as well, Dave. You know, so yeah, interesting. Yeah. Yeah, he, w- he would have done this just around the same time as The Empire Strikes Back, wouldn't he? Because he was introduced towards the end of that movie, so maybe he got this off the back of The Empire Strikes Back. Empire was... Yeah, it was 80, wasn't it? Yeah, yeah. Yeah, so yeah. At the same time, wasn't it, yeah. So, interesting. So, I, I mean, I had I do remember another Stallone one. Not that I saw as... Or as a, an older kid, I guess, um, flicking through the channels on a Friday night and... Uh, I, th- I think it was on RTL or something. <laughs> oh, yeah. 
Have you seen that one? Yeah, we've got a fucking lady hosing on day. But anyway, no, that's a no, different no, movie. No, it's... Used to watch an I, I, I vaguely remember it, but I was like, is that fucking Stallone? Yeah. <laughs> it was. I have no idea what it's called. I'm going to have to uh, possibly do some investigation, mm. but yeah, it, was, it sure. was a little bit of a saucy one, Chris. It wasn't, uh, yeah. it, it must have been sure pretty rocky. <laughs> Sly, slyly slipping in there, Dave. Yeah, I used to be watching them movies around that time as well, but there you go. <laughs> But anyway, Chris, should we get into our trailer? Let's go. Is this trip business or pleasure? Pleasure, I hope. Welcome to the United States. Hamer Reinhardt, sometimes called Wolfgar. Born Frankfurt, Germany, 1946. Educated Paris and Patrice Lumumba University, Moscow. Currently self-employed. Occupation, international terrorist. You are to be indoctrinated in counter-terrorist techniques. Deke de Silva, age 35. Born and raised New York City. Honorable discharge, U.S. Army, 1972. 52 registered kills. Occupation, cop. One man can bring the world to its knees. And only one man can stop him. Universal Pictures presents Sylvester Stallone in Nighthawks, coming in April. Three armed assailants attack a woman, who turns out to be NYCPD Detective Sergeant De Silva of the Street Crimes Unit in Disguise. His partner, Detective Sergeant Matthew Fox, immobilizes two of the assailants. De Silva chases the third upstairs to a subway station platform, taunts him and incapacitates him with a scarf. Now, Chris, what do you reckon to the opening of this movie? <laughs> the capitating with a scarf. <laughs> Stallone's got a full-on beard, and I'm and I'm going to let you say who you think Stallone looks like because I was crying. I couldn't put my finger on when we were talking on our watch along. Weren't we we did a watch along of this with our Patreons, and uh, Matt Bates had tuned in. Blake jumped in, and we were watching. And who did you say he looks like, Dave? Because I think you're right. Well, I, I mean, I, we both said what massive fans of Stallone we are. And I'm sure when we did whichever movie was the last one we did, I think it was First Blood, um, I'd said, you know, he is a bit more of a visionary, you know, than he's given credit for. He's just this beefcake, muscle head, kind of 80s action star that he gets kind of tarred with that brush. But, um, yeah, I think he was visionary here because he, he uh, did Mrs. Doubtfire way before his time. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, Chris, this this film is so serious. I mean, it's it's released in 1981, isn't it? But 
everything about it feels so mid-70s. I mean, the music, you've got that gritty New York look, you know, it's, and it seems so stylized now. It's, it's, it's hard to think back to New York as it was then, you know, it's so different now, isn't it? But it starts off with such a comedy thing. I mean, you see the old woman and she's walking along and you're thinking, there's something not quite right there. But not only is it Beefcake Stallone, but he's got a massive beard as well and a big barnet to, to boot. So, you know, he's just such comedy. And then, like, when he chases the guy, the third one up, up the you know, to the platform. And he's like, come on, badass. Come on, badass. <laughs> he keeps saying, he's like, come on, badass. <laughs> he just keeps saying the same thing. It's like, oh, man, I, this is so unintentionally funny. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, and, I, and I'm with you because he runs off like a gazelle, just as a woman, you know, and, and it's ridiculous because the concept of the movies, they're a street gang level Cops, mm. aren't they? They're, 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 they're like after the gangs, but then they're soon elevated to world terrorism. Anti-terrorism, yeah. Anti-terrorism, no, but, Trained by fucking Q from uh, MI5 or something. MI5, yeah, exactly. <laughs> but that bit is brilliant, and he throws something at the assailant. But I've never met a movie, right? And you know, I've never met a movie. I've never seen a movie, David. I've never seen a movie where, you know, and I love a buddy cop, a lethal weapon, Beverly Hills cop, things like that. My favourite, you know, sort of buddy cop movies of all time. Stallone, Decky or Deke, whatever he's called, he's called Deke De Silva, yeah. and Billy D. Williams, his character. Are two of the, and it's called Sergeant Matthew Fox, he's Billy D. Williams' character. Yeah. Are two of the most angry fucking <laughs> cops I have ever, <laughs> ever seen. So we get this bit, and they're like, yeah. And after they sort of capture these, they're on the street then. Did you not clock Stallone doing his best John Travolta fucking strut from oh, Saturday Night yeah. Fever? He like, he's there, like, I'm actually doing it as we're talking. Like, he's it's hard not to do it, isn't strut. it? it is. He's got the four-inch heels on, because obviously he's a fucking midget, and he's there walking with Billy D. But they're so aggressive towards everyone. And then while this is happening, we've got the bombing in London of, like, mm. a store, and there's a really pretty girl... And when he said, I didn't realise Rutger Hauer was in it, and then we see the credits and it says Rutger Hauer. And I'll be honest with you, Dave, I, I didn't understand what was going on because I saw this guy come on with a beard and I thought, fuck me, Rutger Hauer's had some fucking plastic surgery after this because I knew he'd done, obviously, <laughs> um, what's the one with Harrison for? Blade Runner and Blade stuff, Runner, you know, and yeah. all that, and, and Blind Fury and things like that. And I was like... And the hitchhiker, was it the hitcher? He did the hitch, like the hitch, the hitchhiker movie. Don't he's a baddie and that. But, but I was like, is that Rutger Hauer? And then certain angles from a distance are like, that is Rutger Hauer. But up close, I kept thinking, there's someone off here. He's had a nose job. And then I fucking realised it's about the movie. He's supposed to be a master of disguise in this terrorist. Proper and he Remo Williams. Surgeon. Yeah, Remo <laughs> Williams. Well, I li- sorry, Glenn. I know Glenn's listening, but he doesn't just shave his moustache off and everyone goes, I don't recognise that guy. You know, like in Remo, and it's the same guy. That, uh, but with this, they make an attempt to actually make him look different. And I yeah. kept thinking, wow, this is... And I actually give applaud him for it, Dave, because he, he did film me. I was like, 
Is that Rutger Hauer? But anyway, yeah, yeah. he blows up this department store like a Woolworths thing, or whatever it is, talks to the pretty girl, he's really creepy with her, she's really attractive as well. And then it blows up and, and we get to find out that he is this uh, Wolfger or something he's called, this bomb Wolfgar. expert. And he's, Wolfgar and he's a terrorist and that. And then we get the next scene is... Fucking Stallone, Central Park, dressed up as a fucking flashback, a flasher with his fucking Mac on, his overcoat I think on. He's supposed to be like some <laughs> businessman, kind of Jewish, Jewish businessman, yeah, 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 some sort of diamond <laughs> trader or something. Yeah, exactly. And he goes <laughs> under this bridge, and these three guys again. And I always laugh in these movies because in real life, no gang, no. 35-year-old blokes are hanging around a fucking bridge, are they, waiting to mug people? And there's three of them, and he goes under, there's and the no, context of time... No stealth at all, is there? No, there's nothing. <laughs> they, just, they just run over the top, and Stallone's walking dead slow, and they get him underneath, and he's there, and then he's about to take him out, and this cop car comes from nowhere, nowhere. absolutely <laughs> nowhere i kept thinking it was the the fucking horrible obnoxious cop out of diehard 2 at one point you know the one who's in <laughs> yeah, mclean yeah. a ticket we reviewed it didn't we, a few weeks ago and i was like it's just but then stallone's like yeah fucking he goes i'll give anybody a sergeant's badge and the fucking stallone's like fuck you and they're all fucking screaming <laughs> and the cop they don't go and chase these guys the cops just reverse out of this fucking underground bridge it's i mean we've both walked around central park it's ridiculous and then you've ruined the whole thing but them doing this them elevates them like you said to this anti-terrorist squad the 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 leaps in the movie are unbelievable, Dave. It's like me and you now as two podcasters, and then the next minute they go, right, guys, we want you to take over the Joe Rogan podcast, or, you know, especially we want you to host like something, you know. Host match of the day. Yeah, match of the day. <laughs> you, you, you're not qualified for it. I'm not saying we couldn't do it. You're not qualified for it. You've got no experience of doing this, but we think you are the guys to do it. You've got this chemistry. So... I find it elite, but I'm going to be honest, Dave, I really enjoyed this movie, I'll be honest with you. Yeah, it, it doesn't sound like it, but it is a... <laughs> a I yeah. think it is a little bit of a gem, isn't it? I mean, it's, it's yes. a weird one, because it it is that 80s movie. It definitely feels like it's rooted in the 70s, though. Just everything about it, and fucking Stallone with his beard, trying to be a De Niro type of thing, <laughs> with his fucking Deirdre Barlow glasses on. <laughs> just, it just looks ridiculous. But, um, I, Chris, what about, though, when they go and do a drugs bust? So before they get pulled into the anti-terrorist action command, or the attack, they bust into this drug gang. And then the guy's, like, saying to Billy D. Williams, you know, how much do you want? How much do you want? And Billy D. Williams is, like, going to blow his head off until <laughs> Stallone does his Garth from Wayne's World impression. And he's just like, don't do it, man. The way yeah. he said it, I was like, that's fucking Garth. <laughs> he's yes. Dana Carvey yes. the way he's doing that. Um I just thought, again, it, it was just weird how, you know, had he not said that, was he actually going to kill him? You know, it, 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 was, it was just all a bit <laughs> odd, and they were just, like you say, the angriest cops that are out there. But, like you say, they're just busting up local muggers and drug gangs, and then, you know, the next minute they're fucking James Bond. 
Yeah, I'll tell you what it's like, Dave. Perfect analogy. Comics in motion. The Daredevil. He's a street-level crime fighter, isn't he? We love Matt Murdock. The series is amazing. It's like him, with no powers or anything, going to fight Thanos and taking him down, you know, just we've elevated you. (laughs) Go see what you can do there, Matt. Well, not fucking a lot, really. But you're right, the... They're so angry. Billy D. Williams is ace. I mean, he's there. You know, Deke is this sort of ex-army. It's always the same thing. You know, the veteran of the war and all this. Like he's a, he's a, he's an absolute craftsman in in everything he does when it comes to sort of guns and all that. But it feels, Dave. I must admit, this was done before. What I'm, it almost feels like Lethal Weapon have took some of the tropes from this because. Even the gun thing where he's firing in the gun range, you know, in the cop station, and he's doing the yeah. shooting and everything, and it looks like he's got a Magnum 44, to be honest, Dirty Harry style. But it just seems to work. I don't know why. It's really grimy. I think I think they get the sort of... The dirtiness and the grubbiness of some of the areas of New York really well. I, I, I know with the production, this was supposed to be the third French Connection film. It was supposed to be Gene Hackman and Richard Pryor playing Billy D. Williams' character, but Gene Hackman didn't want to do it, and then Warner bought the rights. But mm. then Stallone took on the directing of it, didn't he? Because the director, um, did something happened and he couldn't do it. So Stallone actually ended up finishing the movie. Yeah, I think what happened, Chris, is Stallone was a massive fucking bellend. <laughs> right? At this point in his life, he was just a dick to everyone. And he's even come out and said as much. You know, I think, I think what it was is he was probably just so driven to like be successful and basically follow up the success of Rocky with something else. Because if you think really, between Rocky, Obviously, yeah. Rocky 1 and 2, but, you know, outside of that, he hadn't really done anything. I mean, uh, let me let me just have a quick look here. So, he did Fist, that I mentioned. Paradise Alley. Says here he's on The Muppet Show. Then he did Rocky 2. And then he's done Nighthawks. After that, Escape to Victory. He's got Rocky 3. And then, in 82, you've got First Blood. So really, from Rocky coming out in 76 to 82, you've got six years there where he's desperate to try and, you know, make something, be part of something that is as big as Rocky, and he's just he's failing to do it. So I think he was just obsessed with, you know, being that successful. And like I say, he's chilled out in his older age and, uh, you know, he recognises and regrets that he was a bit of a dick back then. Yeah, uh, you're right. Yeah. Sorry, go on. Sorry, sorry. I thought you finished. I'm sorry. Um, But also, I I believe, reading up on it then, you probably read the same, but they're they're actually, he's in talks to do a a TV show based on this as well. There's some sort of production thing going on. Yeah, I know it's HBO Max of... Uh, he's got like a screenplay and everything and doing some sort of series so I, I don't think Stallone's going to be in it but obviously he's pretty 75 now or whatever but yeah he could he, be he could be the angry captain because we <laughs> you know Chris this is 81 right so after this you've got 48 hours haven't you in 82 and yeah. that kicks off a different type of buddy cop movie because this yes. is a buddy cop movie you know and you've got a Caucasian bloke and a black guy, you know, basically that's what you got in 48 hours, but with the comedy and it's something completely different. 
And so this is, I, I think this has probably been a bigger inspiration than we realise. You know, but yeah. when people think of buddy cop movies, they don't think of this one. They think, you know, this is the thing that came before. They think of the 48 Hours, you know, um, Lethal Weapon, like you say. I, I think and this bit- this doesn't get the credit it deserves. No, and I'm with you. And when we were doing the watch along, I said to you, the, the angry cop, as in the captain, I, I know him. He's the guy who Rocky works for in Rocky 1 and 2, who's the, mm. the loan shark. He's, by, he's got a moustache in it and glasses, but he's the guy. And I'm like, that's him. So Stallone's very good, usually, at keeping his circle of friends on these movies close. He, a bit like what Burt Reynolds did as well. He always had the same sort of circle of people playing different parts in movies. So, um, yeah, I, I was. It, 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 it's not got a massive cast. But it just works, doesn't it? I think it just it just is of the 80s. I mean, there's, there's a movie I mentioned before with Burt Reynolds called Sharky's Machine. That's a great movie that day. That was about 81. Very similar to this cop. A bit of a psychological thriller, you know, real gritty movie. And that. Even mm. Burt Reynolds don't wear his wig in that one, day, So it's, mm. it's a, <laughs> a definite thing. But that would be one to do at some point. I know we've got a million films to do. But that's a, an interesting movie as well because it, seems, it sets the tone of a really grimy, you know, um, criminally-led city and the yeah. cops are all corrupt and everything. So, yeah, I, I don't know what it is about this, but it's just got something about it that really stuck with me all the way. Friend, I'm taking the piss mm. at the start, but I, honestly, I did enjoy it. Yeah, yeah. I mean, it's not... It, it's it's there to be criticised because what about when he's at like a party? So you've got this international terrorist, you know, this bloke, Wolfgar, and he's at basically a student party. He's holding a guitar, which you know he's not actually playing, but he likes. You know, he's a bit flirty with the ladies, isn't he? You know, like you say, the, the lady at the perfume counter. He's proper creepy with her, uh, like sniffing her and stuff, and. Um, but he's talking to this girl and she's saying, yeah, I don't really understand. What is it you do? And he says, I'm in business. That's all you need to know or something like that. Well, that should yeah. be enough. And then you get this guy who I recognize from somewhere, but I just couldn't couldn't picture and I couldn't find him on IMDb or anything. Looks a bit like Jim McDonald from uh, Coronation Corey. Street. <laughs> <laughs> Good one that day. But Why he not? he was obviously he seemed to have an Irish accent. So you know the initial bombing was in London, wasn't it? So I'm assuming the implication there is it was part of the IRA. But Wolfgar just seems to be you know a terrorist for hire kind of thing. But basically, it, he's been sat there. With an Uzi in his guitar, it seems. <laughs> because when the police come, you know, and he, he basically he's got an Uzi, he shoots it, shoots the police, and then he shoots the the guy because he's led the police right there. And then the woman comes out and starts screaming, and it's like, right, you couldn't hear the fucking Uzi, <laughs> but you just happen to wander outside and oh, what's that? Um, so yeah, I just found it. Some of the leaps of logic are, are a little bit silly, aren't they? But um, I mean, that's that's ultimately where he messes up because the guy actually had his passport. You know, he had a picture of him in there, so the police now know who Wolfgar is, and that's when he has to go off and has his plastic surgery. Yeah, you're right, and, and I tell you what, Dad, that's a great point because they say he loves nightclubs, doesn't he? And they're sort of like. 
oh, we don't know what he looks like and, and people and we've had these in, in, so when Deke and, and uh, Fox get moved up and they're there with this intelligence agency when he's in any club he's in Rutger Hauer is, uh, Rutger Hauer again, Rutger Hauer's character <laughs> He's got a fucking three-piece suit on. Everyone else is boogieing away in a fucking, sh- you know, a shirt and pants and everything. And he's the most smartly dressed man in the fucking nightclubs that you see. It's like, oh, I don't know what he looks like. He's like, hello, he's there. You fucking know what he looks like. But, but you're right. When they, What I loved about this is when they end up getting promoted and they're like, we need you guys and all this stuff. And that, that English guy's absolutely breaking... Deke's balls in, he's proper laying yeah. into him, telling him, like, really nasty stuff and knows stuff about, like, his missus, and he's like, oh, I don't need this. He does use the old Rambo line at one point, he does go, don't push me, you know, and I'm like, oh, well, I bet <laughs> that, maybe that's why he's in Rambo, but when he storms off, him and the English guy are just a complete loggerheads, hating each other, and you said, like, he looks like Rolf Harris, Fuck me, Dave. He even draws like Rolf Harris because all of a sudden, <laughs> Deke is this mass. I mean, now I will say, I will say, I honestly believe Stallone. I don't know if this is true. I believe he drew them pictures because Sylvester Stallone is an amazing artist, Dave, and that oh, is hundred percent, a hundred percent true. This, you, you want to see the stuff? I mean, he's a, a trained. Um, horse rider like top level horse rider he saw that in Rambo 3 he wanted to bring that into the movie that's why he did it he plays he used to play polo a lot but he's a, he's, a, he's not just a horse rider he's like a professional level horse rider an artist Dave honestly I'm not lying to you his drawings are unbelievable so I believe mm. he probably did draw Rutger Hauer and that was a little like sort of nod to what he does in his pastime because he's a sensational artist I'm not on commission for him, Dave, honestly, I'm not, but I follow him on social media. I've seen his drawings and that. It's only come to light for me the last few years, what a great artist mm. he is. But it's the way he's like, yeah, yeah, uh, Wolfgar may have had plastic surgery, and then fucking draws him <laughs> how he thinks he is. And when they go in the nightclub, he starts drawing him going, well, hang on a minute, he could have been there. And I'm waiting for him to go, do you see where it is yet, kids? You know, and he goes yeah. in there. <laughs> he's there, and it was just... Again, like you said, the leap, the fact that he's got time to fucking caricature somebody <laughs> in a fucking e- a fit, you know, a face fit, I was like, that's <laughs> bullshit. But it works for the movie, done it for his character. But. The thing is, it's just such nonsense, isn't it? It's like, well, how do you know he'll be here, you know, in, in New York? It's like, well, probably won't go to South Africa. Uh, oh, South America, probably won't go to Asia or something like that. So, so we reckon here is probably where he'll come. It's like, oh, right, is that how it works, is it? And so they end up just wandering into that nightclub. And, I mean, before that, old Wolfgar, he's he's good with the ladies, isn't he? He's got nowhere to sleep, yeah. so he just picks up a, a an air stewardess and starts sleeping over at her place until she finds all his shit and he has to kill her. Um, but when they actually see him, you know, based on Rolf Harris's uh, expert drawing there, <laughs> so, so I find that scene so uncomfortable because he just stands there staring at him for ages. Ages, <laughs> yes. Wolfgar's dancing away and can't help but notice about five yards away, two blokes are just intensely staring at him <laughs> for like five minutes until he eventually notices them and like, you know, decides to stop dancing and whatever. But it's like, 
on, guys. If you're trying to be a bit stealthy <laughs> or, like, sneak up on him, that is not the way. And I don't know if it's a problem with the editing, but it just it went on for so long. And, again, I just found it unintentionally funny. Yeah, I'm with you. Honestly, I'm absolutely with you. And I think... You pointed this out. I so I watched this, and we both watched this separate. I watched it before we did the watch along. I don't think you did actually. We watched it on the watch along, and th- at this point, Wolfgar gets on his toes, gets his girl hostage to De Silva after a bit of a, a chase, and De Silva can't shoot him because he's got him. But then Wolfgar sort of escapes by slashing Fox's face. Billy D. Williams done it. Yeah. Now he does slash him. It's a knife's wound, but you said the same. It wasn't that bad, and they make it out like he's fucking slashed half his face off, or he's like, or he's, he's like, he's blown like his a arm ba- off or something. Yeah, he's, he's like, uh, <laughs> and he's in hospital anyway with his fucking face, and he's like, oh my big god, comedy so- bandage. Yeah, big big bandy, so like, it's touch and go, is he going to make it? And fucking, obviously, De Silva is absolutely like, um, Deke, you know, he's, he's like fuming, he's like, I'm going to get this guy and all that. What gets me is, De Silva has hated the English guy, the, the, the English guy who, who is giving so much shit, Hartman, <laughs> in the training, horrible to him. They're then on recon at this place, they've both got walking toys, and Deke just walked completely out of character, just walked straight up to this English guy who he hates, what was he goes, do you fancy a Chinese? Yeah. And he's like, yeah, yeah, no problem. And I was like, yeah, what? I was like, what the fuck? The, 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 the case in this place for Wolfgar, aren't they? They're there in this massive building, and I'm like, why the fuck has he asked him does he want a Chinese <laughs> right but at that point I thought oh Hartman's a fucking goner here so, so Hartman then literally five minutes later the girl who's working with Wolfgar she's another terrorist uh, she mm. was out of um, the original Star Trek movie I believe she shoots him cold blooded on the escalators doesn't she yeah. and then you've got fucking Deke legging it then and I was like this is just it's it, it's, I don't know whether because because Stallone says apparently he wants to release like he's just done with Rocky Four. He wants to do the original edit of this movie and re-edit it because that bit is completely a one eighty character change between the two of them. Deacon Hartman are acting as if they're partners, like Billy D. Willing, like Fox's character. He doesn't. I couldn't... I kept thinking, I've missed some here. What have I done here? What? I just think it's a yeah. bad cut. I think there was different stories going on and they've used yeah. whatever they can. So, I think you're right. And when Stallone says the original cut, what he really means is his cut. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> so, yeah. Yes. yeah. So, apparently... I mean, him and Rutger Hauer really didn't get on. And I think, again, that was probably mostly due, due to Stallone's ego at the time. But... Apparently, he didn't, you know, he didn't like uh, Rutger Hauer getting so much kind of screen time and whatever. So, Stallone did do a bit of the editing, but then the studio ultimately had the final edit, and that's what he wasn't happy with. So, he added in more scenes for himself, Stallone that is, and took out scenes with Rutger Hauer. Because let's face it, Chris, I, I mean, we love Stallone and that, but in this movie, Rutger Hauer steals the fucking show. Even with his, yeah. you know, various scenes cut out and that, he's just so menacing and just a really good nemesis 
for you know these cops and um yeah i i i think the editing is probably due to you know just or the bad editing rather is just due to these conflicting creative differences but cuz like you say there's no there's no softening in that relationship. It's just suddenly they're going to pop out for Chinese, even though he's been busting his <laughs> balls for, like, the last oh, fucking really? year or something. <laughs> you know, however, yeah. however long it's supposed to be. But apparently there was a, a bunch of footage as well with um, him and his ex-wife, you know, played by Lindsay Wagner, who um, was a very lovely lady, Chris, and uh, she was the bionic woman back in the day. I don't know if you ever used to watch that. I did, Dave. Yes, I've seen that. Very yep. pretty lady. Yeah, yeah. Yep. So, uh, but she was hardly in it, was she? I mean, they've obviously divorced, um, but she really wasn't in the movie that much at all. But they still seem to have this kind of flirty, almost a flirty relationship where, you know, he's still trying to get back with her. And apparently there was various scenes that explored that relationship a bit more as well. So I tell you what, if if there is another cut, even if it's the Stallone cut or, you know, a full uh, studio cut or whatever, I'd definitely be interested in watching it. Yeah, I'm, I'm not just saying it, I would. Exactly the same as you. There, there, there's something there in this movie, so I 100% would do the same, Dave. And I think I think what, what's interesting is Stallone doesn't talk about this movie. You know, when he, 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 I know like, he's got a production company called Balboa Productions. Uh-huh. It's also like Rambo. Even I've even so, seen him talk about like Lincoln Hawk, things like that, over the top. And he'll talk like Demolition Man, things like that. And he, I've never heard him say this movie, so that's probably why I've been naive to that. There obviously is other movies. I saw one the other day, a Burt Reynolds film, and it was around, I think it was just after Smoking the Bandit, and it has Chris Christopherson with him, and he's American footballer. Now, I love Mean Machine, or mm. The Longest Yard, whichever way you, you want to call it. It was Mean Machine in the UK. But it's like a comedy version, and apparently it's supposed to be terrible, but I'm sort of <laughs> like... I need to watch that. You've got to watch it. I've never seen it. Yeah, it's Burt Reynolds. I've never seen it. It's the same comedy that I like, the same humour. I'm sure all the same actors are in it who he, he has on his um, his roll call there. So, yeah, it's just really interesting with this. And I think, like, as, as the movie progresses, like, Wolfgar becomes more menacing and more desperate, doesn't it? Because it's sort of like he, he's, he's close to the bone all the time. And when it gets to them being up in that lift, this is where Stallone did all his, his stunts. He actually did... Um, go up and down on them wires, you know, which is unbelievable, really, Dave. That that he, he went through and did that. So he did that actual stunt, and he was told that. Well, basically, he said, you know, in an interview, it was one of the most dangerous stunts he's ever done because it was untested, and he was given this Gerber knife so that if the cable snapped, and he survived the 230-foot fall into the river with, you know, ice-cold water. It's got an eight-mile-an-hour current. Then the harness would just drag him right down to the bottom. (laughs) So so it's like, here, here's a knife. You know, the reality is he'd probably be fucking dead as soon as he hit that water. So uh, it's just like one of those things that... 
you know, you wouldn't have thought that stunt would be done by anyone, not even a stuntman today. Um, but, you know, fair play to him, but Christ, that was dangerous. Yeah, really dangerous. I, lo- I love reading here, actually. I love the fact that they did two versions of the movie for test audiences. One of them concentrated on Stallone's character, which is pretty close to what we get as this theatrical release, and one was on more Rutger Hauer's character, <laughs> Wolfgar, and the audiences loved Wolfgar's story, but Stallone decided to cut it down. Yeah. <laughs> so that's where the <laughs> ego of Stallone yeah. kicked in there. So that's, like you said, even if he edits it again, he's not going to make his character look weak, even though, God rest his soul, Rutger Hauer's not with us. You're never going to get that cut, I don't think, Dave. I'd be surprised if... I know he's got more humble as he's got older Stallone, but there's always going to be that ego, Dave. Yeah, I mean, you would like to think he would recognise that actually Rutger Hauer is the main character in this. You know, he is the fucking Heath Ledger Joker in Dark Knight, isn't he? He is that that real good baddie. And, um, but although he does save a baby, Chris, he, uh, he's going to kill everyone else on the cable car, but, uh, he doesn't want everyone thinking he's a total arsehole. So, you know, says, you know, the baby can go. Um, but yeah, I, I, I don't know. I, I, I just, I think he would, I think he would possibly recognize, especially as you say, I, I'd forgotten he died, uh, Rutger Hauer, to be quite honest. So, I think he would uh, give him his moment in the sun. Yeah, yeah. I hope so, I hope so. And again, I'll be there 100%. But like you say, the, the end of the movie, it, it seems to just stop, doesn't it? The movie is really, not horrendous, but it just... They cut, there was a massive death scene, wasn't there, for Howard's character. That, apparently that was his first day of film. It was actually his death scene for the movie, because obviously it's all filmed out of sync. But I felt that... He deserved more. He's such a good mm. baddie in this, Dave, isn't he? He's a really, really good baddie. The psychological thriller-type baddie that you need. He's unscrupulous. He'll kill at will. But he, I felt we needed more. There was, there was just wasn't the payoff I wanted with his character, I think. Yeah, it, it was a bit crappy, wasn't it? Because like, you kind of feel like they might get away, or Wolfgar and Shaq are there. Um, I thought she was a good role, actually. She was almost like... Black Widow, you know, she, yes. you kind of wanted to know a little bit more about her, but she got killed off fairly easily by Billy Dee Williams, didn't she? And, uh, yeah, I, I, I thought, again, I thought the editing, the way it looked, that was pretty terrible. You know, she saw that, you know, those, uh, those snipers and whatever, but it just, the way they shot it just didn't work for me. And then, you know, Wolfgar is off, he's trying to escape and, um, you know, ends up crashing the bus into the river. But Chris, again, (laughs) I've got to say, as the movie started with Stallone in drag, you know, you've got this quite good, tense, suspenseful build-up where you think his ex-wife is, you know cooking dinner or whatever in the kitchen and you just see the back you know it's it's like um nicole kidman in bmx bandits isn't it the massive shoulders you basically got stallone in this silky little nightgown <laughs> and it just wolfgar's creeping around the house and that and he just he can't see stallone's face so you just see you know the blonde hair from the back 
But when he finally turns round, it's like they made no attempt whatsoever. They, they must have known exactly which door Wolfgar was going to come in. You know, there's no, he's not going to peek through the window. And see Stallone there with his massive beard. He's not even got the wig on properly, so you can see his dark hair underneath. <laughs> it's just, it's so bad. And, um, yeah, he just turns around. But, I mean, what, what we haven't touched on as well is all the way through, old Deke there, he's, you know, he's fighting these street level uh, hoodlums and what have you, but he doesn't want to shoot anyone. He doesn't want to kill anyone. So he's been kind of against that. And you know, you have this uh, the the British guy. What's his name? Uh, Hartman. Oh, you know, he's yeah. saying you you have to be worse than everyone else, basically. And you know, he doesn't want to do it. And then when uh, when Fox got sliced, you know, a bit of a slicing on his jawbone. <laughs> this massive emotional trauma for him. Um, you know, even he was saying to the Silver, you should have taken the shot. So you've kind of had this build-up of, you know, he doesn't ever want to shoot. And I don't think it's that's played up enough. It, it is if you kind of watch the film and then, you know, you're thinking about it after. But, you know, him actually shooting... Uh, Wolfgar, it's not just, you know, he's got the bad guy. It's like he's had to now shoot him and he didn't want to, you know? So I, I think it, it it could have been done better without the comedy wig stuff, but uh, I, I, I just thought it was it was interesting. But like you say, once he's shot, you know, and he goes out the, the back, you see him uh, fall down and, you know, the stairs and whatever. That's it roll credits yeah. and you're like yeah huh well that was abrupt <laughs> exactly it just it just it's a shame because it was it was worth more do you know what i mean like i i felt it deserved more but anyway it, it is what it is I th- and i think like you said dave we, we've got a version that's been edited for i just think it makes stone's character look stronger than he needed to be really yeah, I think I think the vulnerability of his character gets lost about halfway through. But from the start, he's, he's quite a vulnerable. He's aggressive. Like him and Billy Dee was ridiculous. How they're just shouting at everybody and just <laughs> ready to kill people at will without any context or any sort of. Uh, there's no backstory to it. They just literally want uh, everybody's guilty until proven innocent. Yeah, and there's a real. There's a real vulnerableness to his character with his misses and that that they yeah, just do yeah. not pay off in. And then at the end, he just goes full fucking John Rambo. He's literally impenetrable to everything, isn't he? But still an enjoyable movie. But anyway. <laughs> <laughs> but i tell you what, I was saying about 48 hours. They were talking about Gene Hackman and teaming him up with Richard Pryor. So how different does that universe look? I know. You could have had, you know, the first buddy cop movie being Nighthawks. Gus Gorman on his yeah. skis. <laughs> <laughs> down the hill, down the building, three fucking thousand foot drop and lands on his fucking feet, yeah, with a fucking curtain on his back. Unbelievable. Unbelievable, mate. But anyway, shall we get into our scores, Dave? Let's go.
for me, I didn't know what to expect. You know, I'm always going to be biased with a Stallone movie. Don't matter. Even fucking stop on a mom will shoot, which is absolutely atrocious. I'll always sit there and watch him. <laughs> I've, I thought I'd seen pretty much all his movies. I know in later years he's done a few that have passed me by and I've sort of cherry-picked which ones I want to watch. But this, for me, was... Just before he started taking his vitamins for Rocky Three, without a doubt, because he didn't look <laughs> as big, he trimmed down a lot. You could see that, or maybe he was in training for Rocky Three because he was real. I know he got down to about 155 pounds, even though he's supposed to be a heavyweight, as we all mm. know. In Rocky, he's the smallest heavyweight in the history of boxing. Um, but he, he, he just the beard and everything. He was trying to deviate from who he was and who he was as a character of being typecast and I think it worked to a point like I say the vulnerability of his character just changed and that might have been the edit it was just he literally was one man army after that point you know once uh, Thingy got slashed Fox it was all over you know Billy D. Williams it was all about the two of them and that was the payoff Rutger Howard's really good as a baddie. Uh, I enjoyed the psychological thriller side to it more than I thought I would. I think they get the grime of New York right, that dirty, grimy air. It's like the Hell's Kitchen yeah. side of things, that real underworld, underbelly stuff, which I think, like, as you mentioned a few times, and I saw our great friend John Hammond was watching Four Hours the other day. You know it's one of my favourite Eddie Murphy yeah, films, yeah. so we will do that at some point. I think that gets San Francisco really well in, in 40 hours, it's brilliant the way they get that grime and d underbelly to it all, a bit like the Dirty Harry film. So, yeah, for me, this just works. I think it's not an amazing film, but it's certainly watchable, and I would definitely watch the director's cut. So I'm going to put it right in the middle, Dave, in Hill Valley. So what about yourself? We are going to continue form, I think. <laughs> Sorry. Um, <laughs> no, it's it's one of those, I, I think we we've just... We need something a bit more divisive, I think, soon. But because I, I'm right there with you. I genuinely enjoyed this movie. I'm so happy that, you know, I, I've discovered this. New, well, not I've discovered. It was put on our plate. You know, someone suggested it, Timothy, um, that we watch this and, you know, to take the time out, actually watch it. And it's like, oh, right, okay, you know. Um, just, I think the music was really good. I, I just... What I can't get over is this is an 81 movie. I, I just think it's a mid-70s movie. You know, if I didn't see that stamp, I'd be like, yeah, this is this is in the 70s. And uh, I do think it is possibly with, like, 48 hours just changing that whole dynamic. You know, you get away from your Dirty Harrys, your Dith... Dithwesh? <laughs> your Death Wishes <laughs> and yeah. stuff like that, you know. And then you get this lighter kind of comedic action movie, you know, like... Uh, like 48 Hours, like Beverly Hills Cop, like Lethal Weapon. So, no, it's really, really good. I'm going to go Hill Valley as well. I just think it's uh, it's well worth a watch. And, you know, if you're like us and, you, you know, you're a Stallone fan, definitely worth a watch. But even if you're just like a, an action thriller uh, kind of movie fan as well, it's it's also worth a watch for you. And uh, it it is weird that it just never gets... It never gets mentioned at all. You know, I don't recall mm. this ever being uh, shown, you know, in terms of reruns on TV. Uh, you know, and it, it did. It, it made a kind of modest budget as well, didn't it? You know, it, the budget was um, uh, $5 million and it made nearly 20 You know, I mean, three quarters of that was from the US, so it didn't, it didn't make massive money abroad. But... Uh, 
you know, it's not a flop by any means. So it's just weird that it's kind of archived off, <laughs> you know, and yeah. hardly ever to be seen again. I'm with you with uh, these far worse film songs done that people will talk about and watch. You know, Tango and Cash, we reviewed it. It's a great movie. It's a bit cheesy. It's a bit hammy. At the time, I loved it. But when you compare it, it's two completely different movies. Obviously, there's a 13, 14 year... Well, no, there's about a 10 year... Uh, difference in the Stallone was, yeah. was like the top of his peak when he did Tango and Cash because he could literally do whatever he wanted and just get that sort of money but th- this is Stallone acting he's not just doing the John Rambo stroke Rocky hybrid character which is what he used in the, his latter career like in Demolition Man Tango and Cash things like that he, he, he is actually acting in this so no I, I, I do it's just very very underrated move and it deserves more people to watch it I think yeah, absolutely. And like you say, you've got Rutger Hauer, you know, who's a real good baddie. You've got Lando Calrissian, <laughs> you know, yes. swearing his head off, uh, which is a bit weird, and being really angry. Um, uh, you know, and like I say, Lindsay Wagner's in there as well. I just think uh, it, it, it should, it feels like it should get more recognition than it does, but um, no, awesome, Chris, it's been great to, to talk about this one. It did take me a couple of goes, because like I say, I'd been away and sort of fell asleep, when I, <laughs> and that wasn't the movie's <laughs> fault, I was just knackered, so kind of woke up in the end credits, it's like, oh shit, so I had to watch it again in the in the watch-along, so that, that was the first time I'd watched it. But, um, well. but yeah, so Chris... What are we going to review next week? Well, you've just asked for something that could be quite divisive between us, Dave. (laughs) I've got a feeling this might be. So this is my pick. I've mentioned the legend that is Burt Reynolds previously, Dave, on this episode. I've wanted to do this movie for a long time. I don't know if a lot of people have seen it, but this is one of my favourite Burt Reynolds movies outside of Smoking the Bandit. And it's, it was made a year after Smoking the Bandit. It stars Sally Field, James Best, who was Roscoe, out of um, Dukes of Hazard, amongst others. I'm not going to reveal them until you watch it, Dave. <laughs> oh, in fact, you have got a thingy as well. You've got Jean-Michael Vincent out of Airwolf. He's um, skiing. Oh, it, right, right. Sort of the young pretender to Sonny Hooper. But anyway, we are watching the greatest Stuntman Alive movie, which... He's directed by Mr. Hal Needham, who did Smoking the Bandit 1 and 2, Cannibal Run 1 and 2, Dave, so you know it's in my wheelhouse. This is simply called Hooper, and there is nothing like the life of a Hollywood stuntman, Dave. Burt Reynolds is Hooper, and Hooper is a real hero. He can take more crashes. Oh, jeez! More fire. Ah. Hello, gorgeous. More love more hits. He can take more risks and have more fun than anyone can imagine. This is Cooper, the story of the greatest stuntman of them all, and his competition. Wait a year and a half to meet you. How's that? I get to perform with Sonny Hooper. Oh, hell, that ain't no big deal. I mean, Burt Reynolds, Jan Michael Vincent, Sally Field. I'm yours. Brian Keith, James Best, Robert Klein, and Terry Bradshaw. In Hooper's world, talk is cheap. And life is cheaper. We may be in trouble. A stunt is a gag, and a gag is no laughing matter. Bam! 
building falls on you, crushes you, fade out the end. Great, Roger. Of course, we'll have a dozen cameras going. And when the director yells, action, go, go, go. I'm going to hit it. He really means action. Hooper's in a dangerous business, but his reward is excitement, adventure, and a fortune if he lives to collect it. Burt Reynolds is Hooper, the greatest stuntman alive. I love stuntmen. Hooper, the newest movie from the team that brought you Smokey and the Bandit. Well, I did ask. <laughs> <laughs> For something a little bit divisive, and uh, yeah, yeah, let's see how we get on next week. Well, well this is uh, <laughs> this is going to be one of them ones where I'm on the defensive from the fucking first minute. But uh, I I am so committed to the Burt Reynolds cause, Dave, that I've got upstairs an old DVD player which is in my spare room bed in the, one of the drawers, and it's one I got free from an Axis Sun Life policy we we got about fucking 20 years ago because that's the only dvd but even though i've got playstation 5s and xboxes and all these other consoles none of them are region locked a uh, region uh, unlocked so i've got an american version of hooper which is really difficult to find and i'm going to watch it and i just when i want to watch hooper i have to bring this dvd player down with the old scartley dave to put it on because it's the only thing in my house that'll play this and i've got superman 4 as well, which I bought, so I might have watched that as well at the same point this week, you know, it's terrible. I know we've reviewed that already, but Superman 4, they're the two American DVDs I've got, and Hoop, I love Hooper, so I cannot wait. I know what you're going to say, Dave, when we watch it, but I'm not bothered. This is when <laughs> Burt Reynolds went from starring in a movie with Sally Field to actually being in a relationship with Sally Field, when he was absolutely head over heels in love with her, Dave. So it's, you can see that on the, on the screen, but just as a movie... It's Burt Reynolds, but it's got a special guest in it, Dave, who Burt Reynolds body doubles as, and I think you'll be impressed with that when you see it. Okay, I'm intrigued, I am intrigued. But, um, Chris, uh, it has been amazing, and uh, would you like to let everyone know how they can get in contact with us? Of course, my friend. As always, guys, get us to social media at VHS Strikes Back. If you want to email us, the VHS Strikes Back at gmail.com. And Dave, we actually have an email. So you've been away. I've been on holiday for Samantha's 50th. We had an absolute disaster because British Airways decided to absolutely stiff us. <laughs> we were going to Dubai. I'd saved all year. They thought, fuck that. We're not sending any internal flights out from Manchester. So we ended up going to Tenerife Day. But that's a yeah, different story for a different day. Unfucking believable. But anyway, Dave, we've had an email and we don't nice. read a lot of them out, but this is unbelievable. And I saw this last week. So, guys, this could be the end of the podcast. And I, I was chuckling to myself when I was sat by the pool, Dave, on the old pina coladas and stuff. But anyway, this is from our good friend Simon Vumbacker. And it's entitled, Hello, Robin Lee. Don't know who Robin Lee is, Dave, but there you go. This email informs you that you have been certified as a beneficiary of the estate and resources of the late Craig Lee. After extensive long-term research, you are of the Lee lineage. I will give you more information about your benefits, Dave. So I'm waiting for the reply, but me and you, my friend, are in the fucking money, man. <laughs> <laughs> what the fuck? <laughs> I was waiting for him 
to say, I am from Nigeria. I need £10,000, Dave. You know, the old classic spam. But that's the that's the email we've had from Simon Vumbu Backer. So but thank you, Simon, for that. crap through, don't we? Spam, yeah, I know like... we did, but what that? But I've got to read that on the podcast. It's fucking brilliant, Dave. So me and you might be off, my friend. We might be able to get to Vegas together before oh, yeah, I go this yeah. year. So, yeah, yeah. Simon, <laughs> if he wants to get in touch with us, Sam, please, can you get in touch with us? Um, I'm, I'm open to any offers for Mr. Lee's uh, estate. We will take anything, Dave. So, amazing. <laughs> <laughs> but anyway. Who the fuck is Robin Lee? We keep getting it, don't we, Robin Lee? Say, bloody spam for Robin Lee. <laughs> I'm just like, what? I think it's because <laughs> the podcast, like, the email address is open, isn't it? So, I, yeah. I see we get... I, I don't even read them to be honest I just no, see I them and then just, just delete them <laughs> it tickled me that one though David <laughs> but anyway until we get the money through from Mr Zumbacker if you want to support us guys get over to Patreon patreon.com forward slash the VHS strikes back Massive thanks to our patrons today, uh, t- today, today even. Timothy, thank you for picking this one, mate. So the roll call of honour is Timothy, Alec, Paul, Mark, Carl, Matt, Heath, Dylan, Ken, Lucky Lulu Green, Herb, Jax, Math, Blake, John Hammond, Brent from the Cinema Chat Podcast, and Mr Tony Farina. So great support as always, guys, and thank you so much. Awesome, mate. That is brilliant. So all I'll say is, how are you going to take us out? Well, Dave, I'm going to take us out by simply saying, as the great Burt Reynolds once said, Dave, there is nothing, and I said it before, like the life of a Hollywood stuntman. Nothing to do with Deke De Silva in this movie, which is the best <laughs> I can come up with, okay? Because I am more excited about doing Hooper than anything, and I'm going to go and watch it right now. So I'll see you next time. Bye now. That's it, man. Game over, man. It's game over. What the fuck are we going to do now? What are we going to do? Maybe we could build a fire, sing a couple of songs, huh? Why don't we try that? We better get back, because it'll be dark soon, and they mostly come at night. Mostly. I'll be back. That's not. We came, we saw, we kicked its ass. Wax on, wax off. Go for it. Well, here we go. Ain't so bad. Ain't so bad. Ain't so bad. Ain't so bad. Ain't nothing. You must be crazy or something. I'm crazy. You're just a stupid. Yeah, baby. You're crazy. I ain't losing, heavy. He's a fool. He's stupid. I've seen you in six months.